I'm here. I didn't go anywhere. This is Rumble. I'm Michael Moore. Welcome to my podcast. Why look so awfully tragic? Put on a happy face. Smiling can work like magic. Put on a happy face. We are now 48 hours plus past Super Tuesday. And I, I've heard from a lot of you. I completely understand the despair uh, that many people feel. So let me get this out of the way. I'm not just talking about uh, those of us who have uh, been supporting a Bernie, uh, but also those of you who have supported Elizabeth Warren, those of you who were very excited and proud and inspired by the fact that we had our first openly gay uh, candidate for president of the United States and that right out of the gate he wins his first um, his first caucus. It was amazing. Amy Klobuchar, our Midwestern badass <laughs> senator with a sense of humor. Things have changed in the last five or six days. And I, I get it. I get, I understand. I've read all your comments. I've heard your voicemails that you've left me. If you don't, if you listen to this podcast and you don't know that you can leave a voicemail, you can do that. I get what a lot of you are feeling. Um, it's not just the Bernie people, it's Elizabeth people, it's Amy people. And of course, Mayor Pete and Amy and um, have dropped out uh, and endorsed uh, Joe Biden. Mayor Bloomberg dropped out and <laughs> endorsed Joe Biden. Sorry for the laughter. And now Elizabeth Warren has dropped out. And essentially, other than Tulsi, who is still uh, in, in the race and never mentioned uh, by anybody, um, we have these, uh, these two guys left. And um, here's what I want to say to everybody, especially those of you who have been kind of down in the dumps here. Um, it's only the fourth inning. I'm sorry for the sports metaphor here, but it really, it's, you know, there's about a third of the delegates now have uh, been decided, but it's a third. So you're a third of the way through the game. You're in the fourth inning. And, you know, when this is all counted up and you know, they have not really... The AP called California right away for Bernie. Some of the networks haven't. So, but when this is done in the next few days, hopefully you'll see that uh, um, you know Bernie will have obviously um, many more delegates uh, from California uh, than uh, than uh, Joe Biden, and also will only be probably I don't know I'm guessing 50, 40 behind overall nationwide. So, you know, he's a, it's the fourth inning and Bernie's behind by one run. Come on. It's like, uh, yeah, there's no crying in primary season. Um, you know, we still have a ways to go here. And, and remember what we've witnessed here in this week. And remember, it hasn't even been a week since South Carolina is the sort of uh, jittery, you know, 
let's switch our thinking right away here. As soon as one thing happens, one candidate has some success or whatever, and then all of a sudden it's all over for everybody else. And remember, it wasn't that long ago. It was just the beginning of February when we were, uh, when Mayor Pete came out of nowhere and had that win, a uh, delegate win in uh, Iowa. And um, it was, everybody was like, oh, wow. Well, that's the end of Joe Biden. That's the end of Bernie. That's the end of everybody. America wants a young, fresh face. Uh, somebody called him the white Obama. And and all of a sudden it was Pete, 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 right? Remember? It's not that long ago. And remember feeling, oh, I know, they're not, nobody's uh, they're not talking about the other candidates. They're only talking about Pete. Wait a minute, Bernie got more more votes from people. How come nobody mentions that? It's like we were all, oh. And then, and then New Hampshire happened, and then Bernie got both the most popular votes and the most delegates, so it was an outright uh, victory. But then they went back and they tied the, the delegates with Pete. So it was, it was in a state of confusion again. And... Um, and but Biden did even worse. You know, he's just like failing and failing, and and they're writing, you know, Biden's obituary, and that's it. He's out. He's he's gone. Um. And now, how are we going to stop Bernie? How are we going to stop Bernie? <gasps> Bloomberg. That's right. Bloomberg's not on these first four ballots, but when he is, that you know, Biden will be over Bloomberg, and all of a sudden, it was all about Bloomberg. It went from Pete, Pete, Pete to Mike, 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 and all those stories, right, about how Bloomberg was the best one to defeat Trump. Bloomberg had to defeat socialism, and he had to defeat Trump, and he was the man to do it, and he had the money to do it, and we listened to that crap for a couple of weeks, and Bernie won Nevada by a huge margin, a landslide in Nevada, and then all of a sudden, oh, looks like Bernie's the presumptive nominee. <laughs> Remember all those stories? Bernie's number one. Bernie's going to, that's it. It's kind of over, really. It's Super Tuesday. This thing could be over on Super Tuesday. Remember this? And so all the attention then went on to Bernie and the spotlight went on to Bernie. And then we had another debate. And and that's when Elizabeth took down Mike Bloomberg. And all of a sudden, Mike Bloomberg didn't exist anymore. Everybody knew, everybody knew after that debate that he was done. And I think he knew he was done. So listen, my point is, is that since February 3rd, which I believe was Iowa. And I'm recording this, you know, late night on uh, March the 5th. Is it the 5th? Is it really? That's all this is. It's just March. It's just been a month, <laughs> February 3rd to March 5th. And we've changed it. The whole, the whole narrative has changed so many times. This person's dead. This person has risen from the dead. This person is now alive. No, wait, there's that person over. I mean, it's just like, it's been nonstop. And so after South Carolina and Super Tuesday, of course, now, of course, Joe, Joe Biden has been anointed. Joe Biden is the nominee. Joe Biden is going to defeat Trump. Really? Really? We know that after, after these, what, six, five, six days since South Carolina and what, two, three days since Super Tuesday? All of a sudden, and then people start people start endorsing him all over the place. Don't you kind of want to see how he's going to do in a debate? 
like one-on-one, like he's going to have to be with Trump, one-on-one with Bernie. That's not until March 15th is the next debate. Don't you kind of want to wait and see how he handles that? I mean, you, you, you know, we've already discussed everybody. We know what the problem is with, with Joe. And I've said very nice things about him. And, and I'm, you know, my encounters with him through the years have been great. And, uh, he's a big fan of my movies and, and all that. So, um, you know, and he stood for good things and he's done good things, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but there's a problem. As I said in my last podcast, the, the last episode, they have no problem asking Bernie about his heart attack. How's his health? We, we want to see more medical records. We haven't seen enough. On Super Tuesday, uh, on, the, on the victory night, and Joe, um, who, as you may have noticed, doesn't do a lot of TV interviews, had finally done the, mor- the Sunday morning shows, um, which, I don't know, had he, been on, had he been on at all during this campaign on the Sunday shows maybe once or twice you don't see him on tv a lot um even rachel last uh the other night on uh, wednesday night was kind of begging him to please come on um he went on lawrence on monday night uh and lawrence pointed out that he was on lawrence's first show whenever lawrence went on the air was that i don't know 10 12 years ago longer maybe i don't know and um and that's the last time Joe Biden's been on Lawrence's show until this past Monday night. They keep him off TV. They don't want him to be interviewed a whole lot. They don't want him talking too much in front of the cameras. And um, and so when he went out to do his victory speech, uh, he got all confused again and introduced um, his uh, wife as his sister. And um, there was other words there that were hard to make out exactly what uh and then and then his wife was kind of like trying to get him jerking his arm to get him to you know say the right thing i'm your wife not your sister oh jeez, people um i don't know what to do with this do i just leave it there do i verbalize what everybody is thinking doesn't matter how you feel about it, even if, you, if you're if you a supporter of his, if you're not, even, certainly if you're a Republican, you've noticed it. If you're Trump, you've, you're already writing your, your top one-liners. But you kind of want to, don't you? You just got to kind of want to wait and see what happens here. This, you know, part of the reason of the primaries is to see how the candidate will hold up in the general election. And everybody, including me, you, everybody, Everybody should kind of wait. And, you know, if you're for him, if you've been for him, continue to be for him. Uh, if you're for Bernie, continue that. Um, if you were for the other candidates, you may want to just wait for a while. See how this goes. Wait till the primary comes to your state. And then uh, decide. But right now, you're, we're all wasting time if we're sitting around with any kind of despair. Um we have to kind of wait and see. You want to wait and see. And you want to stick to the things that you believe in, too. Not throw the towel in so quick. This is very typical of liberals. Oh, we lost. Um, I don't know what to do now. I guess we just better get with the program. No. No, come on. 
Come on, we need to show some strength right now. If you believe in these things, you need to really stand up and believe in them. You do believe that corporate money should be running our elections? Do you believe these big PACs that are funding these other candidates? Is that how you want to live? Is that what you want to support? No. Let me share some good news with you. Just uh, maybe this will lift your spirits a little bit. Um, the um, and Also, let me, can I do just a little Christopher Nolan for you? You know, the great film director, Memento. In fact, let me just do a memento here with you to see how thing, how you would have been feeling, how things would have been different if this was a Christopher Nolan movie and we were running it in reverse. Okay, so if you don't, if you don't, if you don't know Nolan or uh, Memento, I'll just stay with me here. I'll walk you through it. So let's think. Put yourself back on Tuesday night, and these early returns are coming in, and it's Biden, 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 Vermont for Bernie, Biden, Biden, Biden. All, you know, from Virginia to North Carolina to Alabama, you know, all across the, the South, Tennessee, Arkansas, Oklahoma. And, you know, let's say if you're for, if you're for Bernie, you're sitting there going, oh, but in a Christopher Nolan movie, the sun rises in the West which means the first polls that close at 8 p.m. are in California. Seriously, what if the first results that had come in had come from California? Let's just play this in reverse. So right away, a massive, you know, Bernie landslide in California. And if they'd had voting machines that worked right, if they had a real system set up to count the mail-in ballots four to five million that have been sent in over the last few weeks. This is why, you know, I just, you, <laughs> boy, when Trump is just, Trump just has a field day with this stuff from the, from the, whatever, whatever that thing was, that was called the Iowa caucus. And they couldn't get it right all the way to California where all, all high tech in the world practically is invented and exists in California. And they're telling us it may be another week or two before we get the final, final results. Anyways, but let's say that didn't happen. Let's say the results just came in on Tuesday night like they should have. Massive landslide. That's the very first thing you would have experienced in the in the first hour. Because no polls would have closed after that in the next states for another hour. So there'd be a full hour. And imagine the the cable news commentators just just oozing over, gushing. This is amazing. The Sanders landslide in the largest state in the country, in the, in the, in the most diverse state in the country, a state that actually isn't even white. It's, it's like 48% white and 52% not white. It's a state of Latinos and Latinas and and uh, Native Americans and African Americans and a lot of Asian Americans. I mean, this is such a a stew of America that exists in California and the white people. You know, you know the <laughs> the studios, <laughs> studio people, the uh, you know our agents, <laughs> all. There are white people in California. 
Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. But I'm just saying that, that it's all there. Young and old, educated, college education, high school education. What if that had been the first state? Eight o'clock, polls have just closed in California. Oh my God. Bernie Sanders has picked up millions of votes. And and the, oh my God, he's got like two thirds of the delegates? No, really? Really? Wow. That's how it would have worked. So you're, I'm asking you to put yourself in that emotional state. It's It's Tuesday night. And then an hour later, an hour later, that big theme song comes in again. Whoop, more polls have closed because it's now 8 p.m. in Utah. 8 p.m. in Utah. Oh, my God. Bernie Sanders won Utah. Are you, I, are you kidding me? One of the most conservative, the Mormon state? I saw Book of Mormon. Bernie Sanders wasn't in that. You're telling me he won you yes. Yes, report yes, in fact he won it by quite a healthy margin. Oh my that would have been state number two in the Christopher Nolan memento reverse version. If the if the sun instead of rising in the east rose in the west and went down first in the west. And by eight PM, California for Bernie, Utah for Bernie. Oh wait, we've got another state coming in. Colorado? Colorado for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> That's how it would have gone. And then another hour goes by. The polls have closed in Texas. Too close to call. Neck and neck. Too close to call. Bernie and Biden. Wow. Tell me how your night would have gone by that time. Because really at that point, at least two or three hours uh, would have passed. The Pacific time zone state was in. The mountain time zone states were in. And now the central time zone was coming in, starting with Texas. And with a lot of Bernie counties, uh, practically every Texas county bordering the Mexican border was for Bernie Sanders. Wherever it was poor or Latino, it was polling for Bernie Sanders. Young people, of course, you know, for Bernie Sanders. What if the night had started that way? And by the time they got to announcing Oklahoma or Arkansas or Tennessee, Bernie would have had all of these hundreds of delegates by then. You would have felt a little better, right? So really, you're only a victim of the fact that nature set it up for the sun to rise first in the east and set last in the west. And so you had to handle the news in the east to west version the boring film version not the christopher nolan way of telling the story sometimes i've found that just just completely reversing <laughs> reality in my head i feel so much better all of a sudden have you ever done that where you just you know yes i understand the miserable reality i'm in right now <laughs> i've just decided at least in my head that everything I'm experiencing is actually the opposite of what's really true. It, it's actually, try it sometime. It really starts to feel better. It's okay. You know, yes, no, Mike, you, no, no, you can't do that because that's not really how life is. It doesn't matter how life is. You don't get to have a say in it anyways half the time. 
So why don't you just create your own narrative? Yes, you will have to deal with the reality, but the reality is going to be the same. Here's the, that's the thing, especially with these delegates and especially with these. By the time they count everything, the final numbers are going to be the final numbers. So what would be wrong with you hearing the happy numbers first? You know, when somebody says to you, well, I've got some good news and bad news. Which would you like to hear first? Which, which person are you, by the way? You know, each of us, we're all different, right? Do you want to hear the good news first or the bad news? Unfortunately, I always want to hear the bad news first. It's like, just go ahead and sucker punch me and get, get it out of the way. And then I'm, I'll heal during the happy news. But I think a lot of people want to hear the happy news first. Kind of sets the tone for the evening. You know, you're all cuddled up on the couch with somebody you love and you've got the TV on and California comes in and Utah comes in and Colorado comes in. And then, and then Texas is really tight. It starts to feel good. And then you're able to handle all the bullshit that comes from Arkansas, Oklahoma, North Carolina, Virginia. Go ahead, hit me, hit me, because I'm still ahead. I got California, dude. I got half of Texas. Uh, I don't know. You're welcome to use this technique if you want. It, 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 it may help with the drinking problem. It may help with uh, whatever depression you're going through. Um, we do have a certain power over our feelings. So feelings are not always the truth. You know that, right? Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's real. It just means you're feeling it. And maybe the feelings are bullshitting you. Try that sometime. Say fuck you to the feelings. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm living my life a different way. Not by what my feelings are telling me. Here's some, here's some good news. I promise you some good news, though. I want you to just focus on some of these things. And, and you know, they do these exit polls. And they ask people questions. And so one of the questions uh, that they ask people either going in or coming out of the polls is they want to get a sense of where people are at with Medicare uh, for all. Um, you know, are you for it uh, or, or against it? Okay. So, um, so would you, so the question was, you know, would you prefer a government plan that guarantees healthcare for all instead of private insurance? beloved private insurance that we've been told that 160 million of you love so much because you just love dealing with the insurance companies. So, so that was the question of people coming out of the polls. Are you for the Medicare for all government plan where everybody's covered and there's no private health insurance or are you for private health insurance? Do you support Medicare for all support or oppose, right? I'm going to just run down the States for you just so you hear that in spite, and many of these states uh, voted for Joe Biden, but I want you to hear how the people felt on this particular issue, and it mirrored many of the other issues that they were asked about. Here you go. Um, starting with uh, the first state, Vermont, of course, Bernie State, 73% supported Medicare for all, 23% opposed it, 73 to 23 in Vermont. Okay, maybe not so surprising. Let's go next door to Maine. Maine, do you support Medicare for all? 69% said yes. Okay, all right, that's not fair. We're still up in the Northeast. Um, you know, that's, you see how far Maine sticks out there into the Atlantic? It's like, it's practically Europe, all right? 
certainly if you can get to Greenland, that's, you know, Denmark, I think, owns that thing. So, you know, the, the big island that Trump wanted to buy. Um, so they're European. So, yeah, they would they would probably support Medicare for all. Let's go to Texas. Are you ready for this one? Texas voters were asked, do you support Medicare for all? A government plan, no private health insurance in Texas. 63% of the voters said, yes, I support Medicare for all. 33% said I oppose it. 63%. Minnesota, 62% support Medicare for all. Colorado, 57%. Oh, now it goes down. It's the first time we're in the 50s in Colorado. You'd think, whoa, wait, really? Well, you know, they're all healthy out there. They, they hike the mountains and they smoke a lot of weed. So, you know, they when you know, maybe they don't get sick as much. 57% though supported Medicare for all. 36% were opposed to it. California, 57% support Medicare for all. 36% opposed to it. North Carolina, Southern state, 55% in support of Medicare for all. 55. Oklahoma, 53% in support of Medicare for all. Tennessee, 52% in favor of Medicare for all. Okay, but what about the really deep South, Alabama? They've got to be against this, right? Nope. 51% in Alabama want Medicare for all. They want a system that gets rid of private health insurance. 43% in Alabama oppose it. 51 to 43 in favor of Medicare for all in Alabama. In Virginia, 52 to 45. 52% in, in favor of Medicare for all. And 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 this is the, this is what you know. We always think of Massachusetts, at least at my age. You know, people that grew up. You know, when I did like in the you know first voting in the seventies or whatever. Um, thinking of Massachusetts, remembering it being such a liberal state. And, and I love Massachusetts too. Man, this is, this is one of their one of our great states. Fifty percent in favor of Medicare for all. They had the lowest number on Tuesday. Fifty percent. 45% were opposed to Medicare for all, but 50% were in favor of it. So still the majority in favor in Massachusetts. My friends, that is how your fellow Americans feel about the Bernie Sanders healthcare plan. Massive support that ranged anywhere from the low 50s to 70, what was that one? 73%. Wow. Feel good about that. And it was true when they asked about the other issues, raising the minimum wage, the majority in support. Tuition-free college education, the majority in support. And that's, it's, this is, this is not, if you follow the news, if you follow, people are consistent on this. The majority want to battle the climate emergency that we're in the middle of. The majority. The majority, in fact, I'm just about, I think every single issue that's been discussed in this campaign support the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren plan. I mean, that's a huge victory right there. You know, maybe we're neck and neck right now with these delegates and it's all close and it's going to be close for a while, but you have to, you have to feel good about the fact that the message has gotten through. And even though everything from the Bloomberg ads to the more conservative candidates to, 
the 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 bloviator pundits on all the cable networks fighting these things fighting them oh my god yesterday morning um i was up i was watching um, morning joe and um steve ratner uh who's like their kind of local numbers uh, economics uh, guy there and and he's doing these charts that he's showing how many trillions of dollars that Bernie Sanders is, is going to, he's going to double the federal budget. Um, makes no mention of, of how he's going to tax Wall Street to pay for this. It's a very simple plan. You can go online and read it on his website. And how he's going to cut the things that we're spending too much money on, like the military. I mean, when you look at what we're spending on the Pentagon, you look at the next nine countries and you put them all together, they doesn't even match what we're spending. I'm, t- I'm talking about the next nine. I'm talking about China and Russia and the UK and France and Japan and Germany and, and um, Italy and Canada. <laughs> put all their military budgets together and it doesn't equal ours. I grew up at a time, remember, where it was, it was kind of like the U.S. and the Russian, the Soviet military budgets were back and forth battling each other to see who could spend more. The Chinese just wanted to make sure they had a, a million-man army, and that's what they did. And that was, that, was, that was the essence of, you know, creating this tension, this global tension. But now, geez. No, so they don't show what Bernie's going to do to cut this ridiculous spending and spend it on our people and tax the rich and when he's talking about tax the rich my friends it's talking we're talking about like something like a two cent tax a penny tax on every every uh share of stock that's traded on wall street every time you trade a share uh and the, you know these companies and the other rich they are trading millions of shares every day kick in a penny for every share when you trade it good deal for them they get a better country they get an educated population and they get a healthy workforce it's a big big friggin deal that helps out the rich that's why the rich in these these other countries the social democratic countries especially of europe they don't complain a whole lot about what they have to pay for what they get from it so these this is really good news that Bernie's and Elizabeth's basic political philosophy has taken hold all across the country in all regions. People support these ideas. When I'm referring to these polls, I'm not just talking about polls of Democrats. One of the, go to the larger polls. You'll find on some of these issues, the issues, the majority of Republicans or a near majority of Republicans um, actually do believe that we need to fix some of these things. And maybe they don't want to fix it. Maybe they don't want to raise the minimum wage up to $15 an hour, but they don't, they, most of them think that seven twenty-five, nobody can, nobody can survive on that. They know that you have a lot of conservatives that understand that the climate, we've got a problem. Maybe there's a difference on how to deal with it, but you know, we're, we're way down the road toward the majority of Americans believing what we've been believing for a long time, what Bernie 
and Elizabeth have fought for for a long time. Equal pay for women. Equal rights for women. Stop locking up our black and brown citizens. Go down the list. You know, hats off to Bernie for 30, 40 years of fighting for these things to the point now where the majority of Americans, all kinds of Americans, Americans who hate socialism, but support all these things, healthcare for all, raise the minimum wage. This is something really, my friends, to celebrate. I know it's, we're fo- we focus a lot on the, you know, the leader, the candidate that we're behind or whatever. And we wish we wanted to see Bernie win Virginia. We, he should have won Massachusetts and Minnesota. We're sad to see Elizabeth go. Um, it, it's not right that a woman's voice is not going to exist now for the rest of this election year. This is 2020. This is 2020. So we have a lot of things to do to fix this. Um, but there are some good things that are happening here. Let me, let me read you another exit poll here. Um, this question <clears throat> that was asked to people as they were um, leaving the polling site. I'll just give you a couple states for this one. <clears throat> Voters on Tuesday were asked, what their opinion what their opinion was of socialism do you have a favorable or unfavorable view of socialism wow okay so now they're not even asking the question right and if they're asking it because of bernie cuz he, he's not does not call himself a socialist he's a democratic socialist which is different okay just like if you're a baptist you're not an episcopalian okay so Maybe some people don't know that, but there's a difference. And democratic socialism is the is is. I'm not going to explain it for the umpteenth time on this on this uh, podcast, but you know what I'm talking about. Um. Here you go. You ready? Exit polls in Maine. Do you have a favorable or unfavorable view of socialism? Maine, sixty percent favorable, thirty-two percent unfavorable. North Carolina, 50% favorable view of socialism, 40% unfavorable. 10 whole points. Okay, Tennessee now, it's it's a tie. 46%, but that's a lot for Tennessee. 46% said they had a favorable view of socialism. 46% said unfavorable. California, 52%. Favorable view of socialism, 38% unfavorable. And listen to this last one, Texas, 55% favorable view of social. 55% of Texans leaving the polls said that they had a favorable view of socialism. And 38%, only 38% said they had an unfavorable view of it. Okay, so... Are you are you picking up your your droopy face, everybody? You did that, you know. You the work you've done with your family and your friends, at school, at work. Those of you in those states who went knocking on doors. 
you know, you were able to show people that these isms, first of all, are purely so irrelevant now in the 21st century. They're old terms and and basically what people understand now is that capitalism as it's understood in the 21st century is a system of greed that creates a system of oligarchs. A few rich people own most of everything and what's left, the rest can go fight for the crumbs. That's how the average person understands capitalism. And they understand socialism, democratic socialism, to mean that there's a safety net. We're not going to let you fall through the holes of the cracks here. If you hit hard times, if you get an illness, you know, your life takes a bad turn. We, the rest of society, we're going to embrace you and make sure you're okay. And if you want to work hard, if you want to work on a creative idea of yours, you want to invent something, um, we're going to help you with that too. Because we all benefit as a society when you, you who went to school that we paid for, um, and you found the cure for cancer, that, that's a good payoff. That's, a, that's our tax dollars at work. That's what democratic socialism is. Everybody gets a say in the economy. Everybody gets a seat at the table. Everybody gets to share in the fruits of their labor. And if you end up with too much money, you've got to put just a little bit more back in to make sure everything stays on a nice and even keel, like the rich used to do until the last, you know, 40 years. Before that, rich had no problem. They paid heavily into the system and they got to live the good life. <laughs> Go back, you can look at pictures. You can't find poor people walking around in rags when they were being taxed 70, 80%, 90%. No. Mm -mm. So the majority of people, with the exception of Tennessee where it was a tie, the majority of people in all those states said they had a favorable view of that kind of economic system. That didn't happen overnight. It also didn't happen with fairy dust. Those of you listening to this, you helped to make that happen in your own small ways, in your just your everyday life, in the discussions that you were willing to have with people where you just said, you know, that just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right that, that that pharmaceutical company was able to raise the price of that drug by 3,000%. It just doesn't seem right. And then the next person goes, yeah, you know, that does, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. And then then the fire engines come. <laughs> I always love it when they we're, we're on a street here in this, where this movie theater, we're sitting on top of a movie theater here, and they, uh, there's a fire station down the street. And... I want you to remember every time during the episode when you hear those fire engines, you're listening to the sweet sound of socialism. Because that's what that is. It's all of us pooling our money together so that if somebody needs their fire put out, they can use our trucks and our ladders and our EMTs. And if I never have to use it my entire life, I never have a house fire, I don't care that I had to pay into it my whole life 
because I'm glad those that did have that calamity got help and I helped them and that feels good. And that's what democratic socialism is. Every time you hear one of those sirens, the police, the, the ambulance, the fire department, that's all of us pooling our resources in one for all and all for one treating each other the way that we would like to be treated. So that's some good news this week. And we're in the fourth inning. There's a ways to go here. We've got Michigan coming up on Tuesday, Michigan primary state of Washington, Idaho, Mississippi, um, North Dakota, the, um, the Northern Mariana Islands, six delegates. I told you last week it was Democrats abroad, uh, but it's actually this coming Tuesday. Those of you who live abroad, get to vote in your own uh, primary, wherever you are. Uh, look that up so you can find out how to do that. Um, am I missing any, any states? Uh, I, think, I think I got them all. Um... No, Manitoba's in Canada. They don't get to vote. <laughs> oh, my God. If the Canadians could only vote, <laughs> we'd have all this stuff. <sighs> okay, you can't vote, Canada. I'm sorry. We no foreign interference with our elections, please. Um, but, you know, we have another chance at, on Tuesday here. And, you know, the great thing about Michigan, and I don't know how it's going to go. You know, they say it's really close and... It could go for Biden. It could go for Bernie. Bernie won it four years ago. He beat Hillary in uh, Michigan. Um, in the midterm elections in 2018, man, people came out in droves in Michigan. The, the, all the Republicans uh, that run the state, the top positions, all the candidates, all defeated by Democrats. So Michigan now, we've, we've got a, a woman who's governor, Democrat, uh, we, we have a black lieutenant governor. We have a lesbian attorney general. Um, and uh, we have a single mom who's secretary of state. That, those are the four people that are running Michigan now. They kind of look like America. I know, I know you're saying, Where, where's the white guy? I know there's no, <laughs> there's no white guys in Lansing running the, running the top positions in the show they're, they're they're in the legislature don't worry there's still a lot of republicans and and lots of white guys so don't don't feel too bad uh for them but but we are a state that's changing and so yes trump won michigan by two votes per precinct in uh, 2016 and uh, we all started to work as soon as that election was over and getting ready for 2018 and a whole bunch of good people got ballot proposals put on the on the ballot in 2018 and uh, one of them was to legalize marijuana. It passed by nearly 60%. And then one of them was for to make gerrymandering and voter suppression a crime and to, and to make our, our voting so much easier in Michigan. That passed by 61%. And those two measures brought out, uh, I think, a record number of young voters for an off-year election. And um, it brought many uh, black voters back who had sat it out and refused to go and vote. Um, you know, I'm sure you know the, the demographics of, of how Trump won is because um, the black vote had been suppressed um, 
in Michigan and Pennsylvania and uh, Wisconsin. This never really gets discussed. We'll talk about it um, here on another episode, but Milwaukee, Detroit, Flint, Philly, that's what really cost Hillary, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Um, many, many, many of them came back to vote in the, in the off-year election because they had a chance to make law and make gerrymandering illegal. By the way, just just for a point I want to make here about voting on Tuesday in Michigan, um, it's if you're not registered to vote, you can register right at the polls. Same day registration. Just show up. Show up and say you want to register and you want to vote. Boom. Done. Um, you know, if you're going to school in East Lansing at Michigan State, but you live in the Upper Peninsula 400 miles away, you don't have to drive home to vote. Um, you didn't get an absentee ballot. It's okay. You can vote. Um, in East Lansing, even though you live 400 miles away in Ironwood, Michigan. Um, they've made the voting so much better and easier by passing this uh, constitutional amendment. All happened in 2018. Uh, we turned Lansing, the capital, um, governor's office, attorney general, secretary of state from red to blue. And there's a very good chance that we will hand Mr. Trump his comeuppance in November. So we don't really know how it's going to go on Tuesday. Uh, but it was a Bernie state in uh, 2016. And that could happen again, but it also Biden could win. Um, uh, we've already seen that uh, there's been an incredible African American turnout um, for Joe Biden this past week. Um, and people should listen to that and pay attention to it because it's uh, important. Uh, but the but so far, pretty much, I mean, with the exception of Massachusetts um, and Minnesota, in the North, uh, these will be the first. This will be the first time in Northern states, and African Americans who live in the North uh, will have their say. Who live in in um, more urban areas like Detroit and Chicago and uh, Philly, and that's all yet to come. That's all those votes have not been tallied yet. Those are in the weeks to come. So it'll be very interesting to see, uh, what happens. We're all committed to removing Trump. Um, we're going to get behind, uh, that person, whoever's uh, got the D on the ballot in November. And, um, uh, but there are very stark differences between Senator Sanders and vice president Biden. And it's, it's worth talking about that. And maybe we'll do that before Tuesday. Um, and then you can make up your own mind and decide, uh, which way that you want to go. I know people are afraid because the main job is to remove Trump. And I know people have been voting for their candidate and they've been picking their number one candidate based out of that defeat Trump and, and trying to feel safe and not wanting to take a risk. I, I get all that. And I also get the, why that, that I know for some of us, I'll just speak for myself. You know, I've been asking people to do two things remove Trump. That's number one. The second thing is let's remove that, which gave us Trump. Let's create a better system. Um, let's build a better electoral system. Let's get rid of the electoral college. Let's, you know, let's open this up to, to people. Um, and let's vote for a candidate that's going to give us the things that we need from healthcare to, um, um, a, a, a living wage an end to mass incarceration fighting climate uh, change. But, but you see, I I also know <clears throat> the danger of that 
because um, of asking people to do two two heavy lifts. It will not be easy removing Trump. Don't take that for granted. That's a heavy lift. And creating creating a society that has Medicare for all, that lets you go to college for free, that makes sure a system that makes sure that you have daycare, you can afford it. All of that, oof, that's some big ass stuff. And I get how it's hard for some people to go, look, Mike, um, yes, I agree with all those things. And they certainly say so on the exit polls. But um, really, Mike, I can really, I got just one thing on my mind this year. Remove Donald Trump. I can't do both things. And I know it's, it's kind of like, I'm that guy who, if your house is on fire and you're holding the hose because you're, you know, trying to put out the fire with the water. And like, I'm your brother-in-law and I, I, I come, you know, I heard that the house is on fire and I come by and I see you're, you know, you're trying to put it out and, and I'm, I'm in your ear going, well, you know, Bob, uh, you know, okay, you're going to lose the house here probably, but, uh, but Hey, um, I got some great ideas for a new house that you could build like with all new high tech stuff. And, and I start, I start in your ear about how the house could be better, you know? Yes, you've lost the old house here, but we're going to have a better house for you. Yes, put put it out. Make sure everybody's safe. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. You got to get the fire. You got to get the house. You got to get the fire put out. But 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 I'm I'm telling you, solar panels on the roof, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to hear that. You want to put out the goddamn fire. <laughs> you got Michael Moore here going. Yes, put out the fire. Job one, but job two. New house. Solar panels on the roof, windmill in the backyard. <laughs> okay, so I get it. I get it. I hope you're laughing. Um, it's 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 a, it's a, two big asks, and sometimes one ask is that's a lot. I want to believe we can do both at the same time. So I'm, I'm going to stay on that road, and um, you know maybe a lot of what I'm saying is is more aspirational, as they say. Um, but you know what? We are going to have a better country when we're willing to really knock this stuff out. Um, finally, I just, I, I, um, Masha Gessen, she writes for the New Yorker and she was on, I think she was on democracy now, um, that night on, on super Tuesday. And she was kind of lamenting the fact that we don't, we don't really have the democracy that we should have. And we don't really vote that this whole, this whole campaign and this discussion, the primaries, it's, it, she says, all we talk about is the betting. We sound like we're betting. In other words, we're going to vote for, we, I walk into the booth and I'm thinking, okay, now who's got the, which horse here has the best chance of winning the race? Not which is the actually just better horse or I'm in love with that horse and I'm going to vote for that horse. But no, that's not what it's about. It's about winning. It is about winning. That is why we vote. We are voting to elect something or somebody and we hope they win. But there's a line she was saying, there's just a line that where we cross that line where it just becomes a little bit too, it sounds just a little bit too much like betting and not voting. And if we really want to preserve our democracy, if we want to attain the democracy that we've never had, at some point we have to have these elections be about real issues. We have to have real debates and discussions. We gotta not have these stupid commercials all these billions of dollars involved 
we need to have an adult discussion about what's going on. And then we need to vote with our heads and our hearts for what we think is best. Go into that voting booth and go for what you think is best. Not, not yeah, but, but he might not win. I get to vote for the Oscars every year because I'm a member of the Academy and I've got one of those uh, statues. And so I get to vote. And I can't tell you, every time I'm, I'm thinking like voting for best picture, it's, it's like, yeah, but I need to help that film, that little film. Yeah, but was it your favorite film? No, not really. It was a good film, though. And I always try to come down to, you know, I'm, I am going to, the number one film I'm putting on here is the film I really enjoyed the most this year, or the one that I thought was just a masterpiece of cinematic art. I want to vote that way, too, for people in public office. I want to vote for the individual who most closely aligns with the way that I see the world or the world I'd like to live in. Whichever one of these candidates best shares my vision for that world, I'm not going to think about really their chances. Their chances of winning are going to be based on maybe my belief that there are a few hundred or a few thousand or a few million people that think the same way I do. But we'll never know if we all share the same feeling if we don't vote right there from our heart and from our head. But the head shouldn't be thinking about the betting, about the horse, about the race. It should really be about the America that we want to live in, the planet that we want to live on. And I really encourage you to do that, those of you who will be voting this Tuesday, the Tuesday after that. In two weeks, it'll be Florida, Illinois, Ohio, Arizona. And I think a week or so after that, it's Georgia. Um, I think we'll have a better country when we start voting that way. And, um, and I think one other thing I should probably close with too, I understand that our level of fear isn't just about Trump. It's, it's, there is a pandemic across the globe of this uh, coronavirus. And so people are totally wigged out by this. Some of it for good reasons, some of it for Again, we're just being, you know, there's a lot of fear and a lot of manipulation. And when they, when they get us in a place of fear, we don't think straight. And some people end up dying because we didn't think straight. We didn't demand that the president and the CDC and everybody stop, their, stop the politics. You know, we'll take care of you later for how you handle this at the beginning and put us all at risk. But for now... Science, facts, prevention, treatment, everything we need. <laughs> it's so funny. You know, they've, they've got the Secretary of Health and Human Services on there. And they're like, um, they're going to spend whatever they need to spend to get a vaccine, to get, to get treatment, to whatever we need. And, and Anderson Cooper... Remember him when he did the town hall with Bernie? Well, how are you going to pay for that? He says to Bernie. How are you going to pay for that? And that's not, of course, Bernie, it's all there on his website. It's all, it's, he should be able to, to explain how he's going to pay for it. And he did, but they're still like, how are you going to pay for that? They never, they never ask about the military budget. How are you going to pay for that? It's always about something that will help the people of this country. How are you going to pay for that? that? That's a lot of money. Yeah, it is a lot of money. So the coronavirus, anybody asked that question yet? 
hey, wait a minute, what? You're working on what? Why are you going to pay for that? Where's that money coming from? It doesn't fucking matter, does it? You know what the answer is to that? Whatever it costs. That's the answer, isn't it? Yeah. And when we start to see the fact that we've allowed uh, the atmosphere and our climate to be altered by the fossil fuel industry and corporate America, we've allowed them to put us, our children, our grandchildren in such great risk. Wait a minute. How are you going to pay for that? doesn't matter. We have to save this planet. We have to save this species. Whatever it costs, that's how much we're paying for it. Wow. So that's what I feel about that. And I um, um, encourage people to study this, read the facts about this. I know things are going to get a little, a little wackadoodle here in the next couple of weeks. Public schools are going to close. Um, large events, sporting events, concerts, etc. Large groups of humans in a contained space, that's going to be put on pause for a, a few weeks. Let's take care of our of our old people, please, because this is these are the people that are actually in most danger. These are the people that are dying. Not a single person under the age of 10 has died anywhere around the world from the coronavirus. In South Korea, they have many people that have got the virus, and um, no one under the age of 30 has died. Um, the, the big case in New York City, the, the lawyer who has resulted in the self-quarantining of 1,000 people at his kids' high schools and uh, at his synagogue. But, uh, you know, again, he was 50, and he had, you know, anybody's got a compromised situation with their lungs, their breathing. If you've been a smoker, you're in trouble. Um, so, um, yes, older people who have health issues, people that are in nursing homes, et cetera, that's where a lot of the deaths have happened out in the state of Washington. Um, let's take care of our old people. They're the ones in the most danger, and we can try to prevent this as best we can. Um, so everybody be good to everybody else. Be kind. Don't forget to vote. And um, wash your hands. This has been Rumble with Michael Moore. This has been episode 47. Is it 47? Yes. Wow. Um, well, 47. We're coming up to 50 here. Um, I'd like to thank uh, uh, Basil and uh, Nick and everybody else who helps me here um, with this and all of you who um, support this podcast. Um, I know I've was away for a couple of days. Uh, it was not because I was had sunk into any deep depression over Super Tuesday. Um, it was because it um, something that uh, Basil and I have been working on for a number of months, and we thought we need to speed this up because this podcast is very important. I can see that now. And there are things that we are going to do in addition to this podcast. Um, we're going to talk to you about it sometime soon and um, um, and uh, seek your guidance and wisdom and support. We do not have a left media in this country. We have m many pieces of it, people who are doing great things, different magazines that, that we've suggested that you read, um, websites that you can go to. 
um, people that are doing video. Some people are doing their own shows every every day. Um, um, I don't want to start listing all of them because I'm going to leave out some of them, but you know what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to bring this together somehow, and we're going to reach a wider audience with it. It's, it's the one thing that's really lacking, and I think a lot of people have been just infuriated with what we've witnessed on television and elsewhere during this election year. And I think, uh, um, I hope some of you were able to turn the TV off on Tuesday and did not turn it back on and have not turned back, had, turn, don't turn it back on yet because you really need to watch um, your blood pressure and the other um, things to take care of yourself. But we can fix this. You and I, all of us, will fix this. Uh, we're going to have a true uh, progressive uh, media and media outlet and outlets. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you about this in the, uh, in the coming weeks, but, um, that's why you haven't heard from me for a couple of days because, uh, we decided to rev, rev this thing up. This is enough bullshit. You know it. I know it. And, um, we also know how to do this and do this really well. So stay tuned for that. And thank you, um, for listening to rumble. I look so awfully tragic, put on a happy face. Smiling can work like magic, put on a happy face. Take off the gloomy mask of tragedy, it's not your style. You look so good that you'll be glad you decided to smile. Pick out a pleasant outlook, stick out that noble chin. Wipe off the fault of doubt look, Slap on a happy grin And spread sunshine all over the place Just put on a happy face Flowers? Put on a happy face